Fenton last week. I said, man, I love these videos of people who uh, maybe not watching where, where they're going. I kind of threw this out. I said, I would have done it, but I'm afraid some of us might, you know, take offense to it because, you know, we're watching. I mean, think about it. This is, what does it say about us? We're laughing at people in pain, right? And uh, so many of you came to me and said, oh, Pastor Ed, I love those videos. They're my favorite video in the world. I figured that you guys are just as morbid as I am. So we went for it and had a little fun with it. But there is a point there, isn't there? It's a profound and important point that uh, in this series, we're talking about looking, how that the quality of our life is determined by what we look at. We kind of began going back to Easter when the messengers who represented God appeared at the tomb. Oftentimes angels are, are called messengers. And they made the statement to those early followers of Jesus, why, why are you looking here in this tomb? He's not here. He, he is risen. Jesus is alive. And in a lot of ways, we spend way too much time looking for Jesus to be something different than who he really is. We, we spend too much time looking down and not up. We spend too much time looking for things that are temporal that just really don't matter. And so all month, we, we're focused on not just looking, but looking for the right thing in the right place, looking up, not down. And we've concluded, I mean, really, our, our thesis is simple, that only God has the answer to the real challenges of life. And if we look up, he'll bring things into focus for us. So today... We're going to move forward. We're going to look to God's Word, pull forth some uh, biblical truth, and uh, we're going to apply it to our life because I, I believe with all of my heart that this issue of looking is a fundamental value issue that you cannot, you cannot, you just simply can't end up where God wants you to be unless you're looking as you should be. So today I want to give you some high values of looking, but before I jump into two, three, and four, I want to talk about a conditional principle, a premise that you need to understand or the looking idea just simply is not going to be relevant for you. And that is this. Number one in your notes gives us a conditional issue that must be addressed, resolved, in order for us to look and see anything and see it in the right way through the right lens. So number one, here it is. Looking forward is only possible. It's only possible if, keyword, if you have been set free from the past. You know, I, I spend a lot of time you guys talking to people, listening to people who are filled with regret, um, people who've messed up their marriages, people who uh, have messed up their finances, uh, people who've lost jobs, uh, people, I, I meet a lot of people who look back and wish they could go back. They have so much regret. They wish they could go back and, 
have spent more time with their kids because they didn't have time for their kids when they were young and now their kids don't have time for them. You know, it's, it's almost as if these people are in this prison of regret. Uh, we, we all understand regret because the truth is we all have things we regret, things we've done, things that we've messed up, things that uh, we'd like. If we could roll the camera backwards and do a do-over, we would. But I, I'm convinced that if you get this right, this first principle, this first idea, uh, please don't go on to two, three, and four here today unless you first of all have bought into the idea that you can be set free from regret. You really can. You, you can experience God's grace. Of The Apostle Paul, formerly known as Saul of Tarsus, is a guy that had some things that he regretted. You know, at one time, he was probably the biggest enemy of anyone who called themselves a Christian. And you know, it's really not that hard to imagine that there are people and were people like this back then because the truth is there are people like that today. I think most of us are aware that there are places in the world right now that if you're a Christian, uh, the penalty for being a follower of Christ is you will either be killed or enslaved. If you're a woman, you'll be forced into sexual servitude. And, and that's going on right now. And, and so it's really not that hard to imagine back during the time of Christ and shortly thereafter in the early years of the church. It's not that hard to imagine there's a guy named Saul who is so zealous, so angry, so hateful, so filled with bitterness toward those who are followers of Christ. This guy literally has received from the government of his time, authority to go and hunt down and kill Christians. And he has stood there. In fact, there's an account in God's word of Stephen, one of the early church leaders, being stoned. And Paul, Saul at the time, was there. And so when Saul looked back at his life, wouldn't we agree he had a few things to regret? But, but here's the good news. Paul had discovered the, the absolute blessing of being able to look forward to the things of the future. And, and he chose not to be enslaved by his past regrets. Uh, let's look to God's word. The first passage in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. You know, to put it into context, a little background here. When, when Paul's saying, I haven't achieved, I haven't accomplished yet what I want to, he was, talk about, he was talking about perfection. He was talking about how, as a follower of Christ, he wasn't yet what he needed to be. And I think all of us need to fess up on that. We all have room to grow. But here's what he said. No, dear brothers and sisters, he's writing to those of us who are followers of Christ, his brothers and sisters. I have not achieved it. What? Perfection. I'm not everything I can be. I'm not everything I should be. I kind of like to see that in people who put on no false pretenses, who are transparent and honest about the struggles. The people that scare me the most, frankly, are the people who pretend to have their act all together. People unwilling to admit that they stumble and struggle and, and have issues to overcome. Uh, it, it just causes me great concern when someone pretends to be something they're not. 
And so he says, I have not achieved it. But here it is. Here's the key. When he says one thing, here's something I do. And what's his objective here? To become more like Jesus. To, to arrive to the perfection of being like Christ. The truth is we are, we are all sinners. None of us here are sinless. But we follow a sinless example in Jesus Christ. And although we will never attain it, we are to spend the rest of our life trying to be like him. And so here, here's the secret. If you've ever, you know, a lot of times people throw around the idea, here, yeah, I got the secret for you on this. Well, here's one of the keys to becoming more like Jesus. Here's, here's what scripture says. This is what God's word has to say. Forget the past. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Wow. Forget the past. Don't, don't get hung up both in things you've done wrong and things you've messed up. And, and frankly, don't get stuck in the past hanging out around a myth of what something used to be when the truth is if you go back there, the truth is it wasn't all that to begin with. Some people get hung up, frankly, in the good old days, what it used to be. And, and, and it locks them there. They don't have the ability to move forward and become more like Jesus because they're living a lie. And so I want to encourage you today. Here's a condition of moving forward to become more like Jesus. Here's one of, here is the condition, according to what we're talking about today, how to look forward and accomplish what God has for you. Because I believe with all my heart, everybody here today, Every single person has this incredible upside, this huge potential to, to, to be more, to do more than you imagined, to accomplish something for God, to, to love him, to love people and change the world. Everyone here today can change a piece of the world. And, and you can't do it unless you have this issue of your sin debt forgiven. You can't do this unless you're certain you've been set free from the past. And that's what happens when you accept Christ. You may not understand it theologically. You may not understand all the Bible verses. You may not be able to quote John 3.16. But the truth is, when you come and say, Jesus, I've messed up. Will you forgive me? Will you save me? You are from that moment free from the consequences of that sin. Now, until you learn to let that go, you won't experience. It's like somebody who's in prison. They've served their time, or even in a more profound way. Someone came in and paid the fines, paid the debt, and they've been legally allowed to leave, but they don't leave. The door is open on the jail, but they hang out. They just won't leave. And, and those of us who have been set free because of what Christ has done need to take this step of forgetting what we've done. If you've messed up, learn from it, yes. But don't live in the past. You've been forgiven. You've been redeemed. That's a big deal. I, uh, I think there's some high values to, to once you grasp this and hold on to this moving forward. 
some difference makers when it comes to looking, what you're looking for in life. Uh, this, this will affect everything moving forward. If you really embrace this, if you've messed up in your marriage, ask God to forgive you. Ask those you've offended to, to, to forgive you. Get help for the hurts and hang-ups that are holding you back. But understand that because of Jesus, you've been set free. That's the first thought. That's a condition. You've got to be set free. If you haven't been born again and set free, then two, three, and four really don't apply. Number two, let's move forward. Looking forward frees you to be confident as you look to the future. It allows you to be confident. I meet a lot of insecure people. Uh, I have come across some people that fit into a category, uh, a phobia called chromophobia. You, you may not be familiar with that particular phobia. You may have it and not even realize it. But chromophobia is an unreasonable fear of the future. When you think of the future, it's always fearful. You always expect the worst. Another, you know, frankly, another term for a person with chromophobia is a pessimist. They feel like tomorrow, the future is, it's always going to be worse than it is today. And, and I, I don't know if you realize this or not, but right now in America, there is a form of national pessimism about the future. People believe that tomorrow will not be as good as today. Let me give you an example of how we're supposed to look. There's a great verse here. It's our next verse. It's in your notes. It's from Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 10. Would you guys read this verse with me? It's just a really short verse, but I want you to see it because it really pulls out the importance of being freed so that you can be confident. Okay, join me. Let's read it together. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. Wow. This, this, this word of looking forward, confident, this is a high value uh, for those who have been forgiven, for those who have been saved, for those who are followers of Christ. You can be confident. You don't have to live fearful of what tomorrow's going to bring. You know, none of us, none of us really know what tomorrow's going to bring. Uh, and, and this passage just spells it right out. It's powerful to me. I can be confident because I don't know. You know, I, let me just throw this out as a, a thought, something that, that just is on my mind 24-7 pretty much. Uh, it's the, the looking to the future, the realization that God has uh, called our church to move forward with a vision we we called it the, the Believe Land vision. And, and really, the short version of the Believe Land vision is collectively as a church community, we've looked at these facilities that have served us well for 80 years, and we've concluded times of change. Energy costs are different. The cost of maintaining an old building are, are such that we'd rather put our resources into ministry and people. That's the Believe Land vision. We want to invest in people. And so we're going to relocate, and, and we're going to scale back in size. And that also, you know, means that our vision in the future is, is different in that we don't think we have to be the biggest, because frankly, God never called his church to be the biggest. I think egos get involved. 
when you feel like you get to be the biggest and the best. If we outgrow our building, you know what we're going to do? We're going to start another church. It's not about us. It's not about being the biggest. And so we're going to build a modest size, and we're going to put our resources. It'll be a modest building that doesn't cost much to maintain, so that we can put our resources into people. Now, we put our resources in people now. Don't misunderstand me. But we also have, in addition to that, the weight of these facilities. And, and so our Believeland vision is big. It's something we have prayed out now coming up on three years. And I, I've look at, I look at a lot of stories in the Bible, and I have yet to find one. Maybe you'll find one and share it with me. It'll encourage me. Of anyone who ever followed what God led them to do, when it happened just quick, overnight, without challenges, without anything to cause them to doubt. There's always, every, every story in the Bible, there, there, there are challenges. And so when I look at the future and I think about what God's called us to do, I come back to this verse and I grab a hold of that word confidence because I am confident that God knows my heart. He knows our heart as a church family. And if that is true, then we have to wait patiently on the Lord. I do find a lot in the Bible about waiting patiently for God to show exactly the right time. In fact, most of the mistakes people have made in the Bible is because they jump out and they do what they want to do. They might even have the right motivation. I want to do this for God. But they mess up because they don't wait on God. And so in your life, this applies you know, this applies to your finances. You know, you feel like you want to do something a certain way, but, but boy, you want to do it right now, and so you go out and rack up big debt, put more pressure on you. And then one thing happens, and everything comes unraveled. And I, I just hope you, you will see here that our confidence in the Lord also requires us to trust him to believe with all of our heart that he is in control and he has a plan and he has purpose. I think the older I get, the more confident I've become that God is in control. Uh, the more this, this verse here about looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, you guys, this is talking about heaven. Now some of you are thinking, I'm way too young to think about heaven. You know, I, I understand what it is. I've been young, and, and you feel bulletproof. You feel like you're going to live forever. But the older I get, the more I realize I'm not going to live forever. And that's, quite frankly, okay. Because I'm looking forward confidently to something far better than right here and now. I, I, I still wake up most days and think about a phone call I got, I received a few years ago, from my sister, who I'm so really close to. Karen Stokes, and uh, she was crying, hardly could understand her, and she said, Dan is bad. She didn't say Dan is dead or Dan is sick, but most of you, I've told you the story before. My brother kissed his wife, went out the door 10 minutes later, and we know this is how it happened because there was a good Samaritan who came by and helped, but he sat down on the sidewalk, folded his legs, and fell over dead. And he was 55 years of age. Some of you are thinking, well, he's had a long, good life. But you know what? That's pretty young. And, and, and when I think about that, 
and I think about the future, something has become more real to me, frankly, than it was before. And I know you may think less of me because you're thinking, Ed, Pastor Ed, you're the pastor. How come this wasn't real before? But I'm here to tell you it's more real now. And what that is is that place called heaven. You know, we know Jesus is there. We know the saints of old are there. They're in the Bible. But when people you know and love are there, it becomes more real. And I am more confident now than I've ever been in my life that God has prepared a place for us. It's a place called heaven. That's what this verse is saying here. If you, if you look forward to this, if you really believe this, it, it will help you deal with the nasty now and now. Because really, no one here has any insurance or guarantees that you'll be alive tomorrow morning when the sun comes up. Do you realize that? But everyone here can have assurance that if they breathe their last breath on planet Earth, you can have assurance and be confident that God has prepared a place for you, a place called heaven. That, that's that's what John 14 says. Let not your hearts be troubled. Don't worry about it. If you believe in God, believe also in me. These, this is Jesus talking. He said, in my Father's house, many mansions. Some of the other translations put it this way. It's a, it's a big house with lots of rooms. I don't know if it's individual mansions or a big house with lots of rooms. I kind of like the idea of living in the big house with lots of rooms. Either way, it's fine with me. Uh, just as long as I don't have to live next door to some people I was thinking about now that that thought comes to mind. But let's move on from there. So I am confident. You see, looking forward with a promise because my sin debt has been forgiven gives me hope that no matter what this world throws at me, God's got it. Number three, the confidence issue, the fear factor. Are you pessimistic about the future? If you are, you don't need to be. Look forward. Number three, looking forward frees you from the power of this temporary world. Now, I really wish I had more time to talk about this. This is an entire message in itself. But here's the short story. It's so easy to get sucked into this world, its values. I find people all the time deep in debt, won't put God first in their finances, say they can't afford to do it. They're just connected to the world, stuff they got to have. They care about what people think, which always amazes me. You know, you, you worry so much about people and what they think of you, and the truth is they don't even think about you. <laughs> but we worry about it. Let me share with you the example of how Moses looked forward in his life. It's our next verse from Hebrews chapter 11. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, richest nation on the planet at the time, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. You see, when you look ahead, you can break free from the hold the temporary stuff has on you. I, I look back and you know, I'm looking at 40 plus years of marriage and, and how Kathy and I have managed the resources God has given us. And, and 
You know, our, our stories, like so many other people our age, we met young, we got married. She was 18, I was 20. No one was paying for our college. There were people at that time, late 60s, early 70s, that were living together. We thought, no, we're Christians. We will make a commitment, enter into a covenant with God. We didn't know what all that meant. We were too young, too foolish to really grasp it. But we knew we both loved God. And one of the first things we decided, I mean, we, we had nothing. We got married on Friday night. I went back to work at Chrysler's on Monday morning. There was no honeymoon. We went on a honeymoon on our 10th anniversary, literally. And, and the, the, the truth is no one was paying for our school. We had no government funds. We, we were working minimum wage jobs and just living hand to mouth. I mean, I had eight more years of college to, to get through seminary and and undergrad school, and additional master's programs, and doctorates, and, and, and we just literally, we literally were living hand to mouth, but we decided early on, it doesn't make us any better than anyone else. It was a matter of faith for us. Frankly, we didn't have much to lose. We decided we put God first, and 10% of everything he gave us, we would return to him. We, we made a commitment to God to tithe. And, and that for us was how we freed ourselves from the stuff we thought we couldn't live without, the temporal stuff. And we did it by looking forward and imagining our life, what it would be like having surrendered that to God or having not surrendered that to God. And for us, it was a matter of worship and faith and trust and confidence. But it really came down to this. We looked forward to what our life would be knowing that God was going to take care of us and it wasn't all on us. Don't you realize the world is not your home? That's what Hebrews 13 says, verse 14. For this world is not your permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet not yet to come. And so we look forward. The future home is what we're supposed to be looking forward to and investing in. Uh, I think one of the greatest ways to invest in the future is connect is by connecting with other believers in a local church family. Now, I, I've read all the studies, and statistically we're, we're being told right now that church membership does not have as high a value to most people as it used to. And, and I, I think I've observed... Really, frankly, I think I've observed that there is some truth to that. But, but I want you to know one of the greatest values in this world is to be a part of doing kingdom work, loving God, loving people, changing the world, connected to other believers of like faith in a local church and being a member and committed and accountable to other believers. So some of you right there, I lost you. Accountable? Yeah, accountable. You get connected in a small group. You tell somebody you're struggling with something. You ask them to pray for you. And then the next day they call you and say, how you doing with that? See, some of us don't want that. But that's why we, we take the loop and we make the announcements. And we talk about how next week, next Sunday, there's an opportunity to take a class called I Connect 915. Come a little early. It'll be over an hour and 15 minutes. You can make the bridge service. But hear me when I say this. 
You probably won't do it unless you look forward and imagine your life a part of a church or imagine yourself having never given yourself in accountability to other believers. I believe one of the most powerful, one of the most important ways God helps us grow is by us connecting to, committing to a church family. And so if you've been coming for a while, man, we're glad you're here. We hope you keep coming. But I love you enough to tell you the truth. If you haven't joined yet, you're not going anywhere in your Christian journey until you make that commitment and you connect. You got to look forward to see it, though, because there's lots to do. There's other things. <laughs> there's other things you can do with your money. There's other things you can do with your time. You know, come get a little fix on Sunday for an hour and out the door. But the truth is, if you want to really change the world, you want to really make a difference in your family, in their Christian experience and faith and journey, be a part of a church that has its values focused on people, that has a Believe Land vision. So look forward. Finally, number four. Let me wrap it up here. Next value. Looking forward to the return of Jesus frees us from the judgment to come. Now here's a very tangible thing we become freed from if we have have had our sins forgiven. Our debt has been paid for by Jesus. Some of you are wondering now, Ed, are you trying to scare us into heaven? <laughs> yeah, there's judgment to come. And, and if I could do that, I would. But the truth is, this is between you and God. You know, sometimes old-fashioned religion would get up and, you know, just preach the devil out of people and tell people how hot hell was. And I believe hell is hot and hell is real. I believe it. I believe it's very, very real. You might be wondering, are you trying to scare us that way? And as I said, I would if I could. But the truth is, God's word spells it out. I don't have to say anything more or add anything to it. I have one final verse for you today from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10. And they speak of how you're looking forward to the coming of God's Son from heaven. Paul's talking about the church at Thessalonica. He says, you guys are known for this. You look forward to the coming of God's Son from heaven, Jesus, whom God raised from the dead. He is the one who has rescued us from the terrors of the coming what? What's that last word? Judgment. And there's both judgment coming eternally, heaven or hell, but there's also judgment coming to this world. There are consequences to sin. This world will be judged. There's that law of sowing and reaping. And so my, my heart today is, is just, wow. It's full when I look forward and, and I see things as they are. And I, my vision, it becomes clear. We're going to talk about that next week, how to get corrective lenses, how to make sure you're seeing the world as God sees it. But I want to encourage you today as we leave, as we prepare our hearts, as we, we talk about the future and what's coming and we think about it and we look forward, not backwards. I hope you'll, you'll join me today by taking just a moment to ask the question. Number one, these questions, absolutely critical. Do I know my sin debt has been paid? Have I been forgiven? Am I born again? And number two, Am I living my life looking forward, embracing these values, or am I just kind of living for the next pleasure, the next moment? 
Let's bow for prayer. Thank you for listening today. We hope your heart was inspired. For more information or directions, visit us at abt316.com.